0: Uh, Ezekiel talks about um, God's judgment against Jerusalem. The Babylonians came in to destroy it in 586, and chapters 1 to 24 is basically Ezekiel's judgment, Ezekiel's prophecy of the judgment against Jerusalem. Then there is an interlude where we're waiting to see what the results will be of the siege of Babylon. And in that interlude you have chapters 25 to 32, which are prophecies against other nations. Then when we come back in chapter 33, jerusalem the news will reach Ezekiel that Jerusalem has fallen, and Ezekiel will begin to prophesy messages of hope and restoration to the exiled people. So you have very distinct sections in Ezekiel, and we're in the distinct section on the prophecies about the nations. In 25, there were prophecies against which nations? Ammon. Ammon. Moab. Moab, Edom. Edom, Edom, Philistia. In 26 through 28, 19, will be prophecies against which nation? Tyre. Tyre. And then in 20 to 24 of chapter 28, prophecy against what nation? Sidon. Sidon. And then in chapters 29 to 32 will be prophecies against what nation? Jesus. And how many nations was that? Thank you. And in the middle, in chapter 28, verses 24 to 26, is a brief passage of restoration for God's people. So it's 97 verses of prophecies against the nations. Three verses of blessing for God's people and then 97 verses of prophecies against the nations. That is Egypt in that last, the whole last half is that. Now, when you look at the prophecies against Tyre, that's chapter 26.1 to 28.19. I want you to count the prophecies. And that is, count every time there's an introduction, um, basically, of, of thus says the Lord... Uh, kind of a thing you've got the first one in verse one this is a you know time thing and then verse seven for thus says the Lord God then where do you see it again 15 then where 19 then where 27 1 and then where 28, 1, and then where? 28,
1: 11,
0: and 12. How many was that? Seven. Seven. There are seven oracles against Tyre. And when we come to Egypt, in chapters 29 to 32, there will also be seven uh, prophecies against Egypt. So obviously these uh, the seven uh, comes in uh, prominently here. What do we know about Tyre? It goes with Sidon. <laughs> All right, Tyre and Sidon were like twin cities where was Tyre located? <coughs> by the sea where from Israel? North. 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 north in the territory we usually call Phoenicia, Phoenicia yes and uh, Tyre's claim to fame as a city as a nation was primarily what?
2: trade by ship
0: trade by ship You know, they were a merchant country or city. Because they were well located with a good harbor on the Mediterranean, they became a major trading uh, city and and country. The country was really just located right around the city of Tyre. Um, And as such, they would remind you of one modern city, I think. You may not know much about modern cities, but there is one uh, country or, or was, um, but one city that, that you would especially identify in world terms as primarily a trading center. Anybody know what that is? You may not, you may, none of you think of this, but I think it would be very parallel to Tyre. London. London, but London is known for a lot of other things. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Yeah. Hong Kong would be very <laughs> parallel to Tyre. If you heard me say that before, you just thought that. Yeah, cool. So, Taio was kind of the Hong Kong of the ancient world. Well, there's a lot of ways to dominate the world. Mostly, you think about nations that dominate by their what? What kind of power? Military power, yeah. But you can also dominate the world to a great extent by economic power. And that's kind of where Tyre was. They weren't a nation that was going to overwhelm you militarily, but they were an economic superpower because they were the <laughs> hub of much trade. And uh, so that's the background, and uh, we'll look at what he says. Do you have any comments or questions before we plunge into 26?
1: Didn't
0: he have a big statue in the harbor? <laughs> Never
1: <remember. laughs> A Colossus, or was that somewhere? Else? Dying to
0: somewhere else. Where was the Colossus? I do remember that, but isn't
1: it Greece
0: somewhere? I think it was around right. Greece, but I can't. There was a the, what town? I want to say it started with a T, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I don't think it was tired. <laughs> yeah. We need. We need some. Uh, History of majors here. Uh, <laughs> not
3: ancient history. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was Greece.
0: Yeah, I, I thought so. Might yeah. be. Rhodes?
3: Might be
2: Rhodes. Yeah, that sounds right. The Colossus so of Rhodes. I think it was, okay. yeah. Right. Good question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few years since I had history. <laughs> All right, chapter 26, verses 1 to 6.
1: Now it came about in the 11th year, on the first of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, because Tyre has said concerning Jerusalem, Aha, the gateway of the peoples is broken. It has opened to me. I shall be filled now that she is laid waste. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and I will bring up many nations against you as the sea brings up its waves. They will destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers, and I will scrape her debris from her and make her a bare rock. She will be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God, and she will become a spoil for the nations. Also her daughters, who are on the mainland, will be slain by the sword, and they will know that I am the Lord.
0: right. So, what was the reason for Tyre's punishment? Their response to Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah, what were they doing? Celebrating. (laughs) Celebrating Jerusalem's downfall. Downfall. Why? We get to go plunder. Plunder, Plunder, but not just the plunder. Think about what Jerusalem's demise meant for Tyre. More trade. Mm -hmm. Because Jerusalem also was somewhat of a hub where trade (laughs) went back and forth through Jerusalem. Basically... This is an el- the elimination of a rival for commerce. So like a greedy merchant that gloats over a competitor's catastrophe, <clears throat> Tyre was saying, aha, you know, it, the the gateway of the peoples is broken. You know, it is open to me. I shall be filled now that she has laid waste. The idea, a lot of the, the revenue that Jerusalem was getting off of the trade, now Tyre would stand to inherit. And so they were thinking of this in very self-focused terms. And therefore, what did God say would happen?
1: Destruction.
0: Destruction of Tyre. By what? Many nations. Many nations. He compares the destruction by many nations with what? Waves. the waves of the sea kind of mm-hmm. the idea of the relentless pounding of the waves as enemy after enemy comes against Tyre which was very uh, prophetic of what actually happened to Tyre they were destroyed by a succession of uh, nations that came against them and they would end up being how? a what? Bare rock. a bare rock as they were just totally destroyed. Her debris would be scraped and uh, she'd be a place for the spreading of the nets in the midst of the sea. Now, it's interesting how that worked. Do you know who was the first, right after Ezekiel wrote, to pound Tyre? Wasn't it
3: Nebuchadnezzar?
0: Nebuchadnezzar himself, the emperor of Babylon, and do you know how Tyre dealt with Nebuchadnezzar destroying their city? They moved out to the island. They moved out to an island right off the mainland and built back up as an island city. Then, do you know who came along and destroyed the island city? Alexander. Alexander the Great, and what was his tactic?
4: by throwing the rubble of the city on land and the sea to build a bridge or a causeway
0: to the city on the island. Precisely. If I scraped the <clears throat> dust
1: even off of the rock in order to make part of the, um, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I didn't
4: understand what you said at all. He took the rubble from the old city on the land and threw it in the water to build a causeway out to the island. He,
5: built, he built a bridge, bridge out of the rubble okay. from the I old city. I
3: couldn't understand the word rubble. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Remember Barney. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So that's exactly what he did Uh, uh, basically he scraped Tyre down to the rock so he'd have stuff to throw into the the sea so he could build like uh, a a place to cross you know Alexander wasn't known for his navy you know he had an army and so how do you get out to that I mean that's always kind of a problem you know an island's a little harder to conquer you know they didn't have planes to bomb them and all that and uh, so this was his technique it literally fulfills this you know because he was scraped and made of bare rock and uh, this is another way of pounding against Tyre and essentially destroying uh, the the city of Tyre I've got some more things to say about that section but what comments and questions do you have at this point?
3: Was she done after Alexander? (coughs)
0: Close um, there was a smaller village near Tyre that was called Tyre that we even read about in the New Testament in Acts chapter uh, 27 I believe uh, maybe 21 also but uh, but not not a city like this and I think not exactly even on the same side.
2: so if if that's really the end of Tyre why is there so much more written about this particular place
0: you mean, why did he keep writing in these chapters? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, he's prophesying, so Tyre still hadn't fallen at all when he writes this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does strike you that Tyre is coming in for a little bit more you know, airtime than what you would expect for maybe no more significant than the city would be. Um, I don't know. Uh I mean it almost seems like he's making an example out of Tyre. As a city that's uh proud and materialistic and, and thinks they're tough and he just, you know, really you know wants it to be very plain that he's going to destroy them. But, but that's a good question. You wouldn't necessarily expect for Tyre to get this much.
2: I guess what I wondered is, do each of these cities represent some different evil against God's people, or is it all the same, you know, that they have more wealth or something
1: that...
0: I think they certainly had that. They were more wealthy, they were, they were more worldly in the sense that they were kind of the a big shot among the nations commercially. So maybe something along that line would be the reason. Still you would never have, militarily Tyre was not a big power. But but commercially and economically they were. And and this is, seems more like the judgment against the commercial superpower. Okay. So I don't want to visualize
1: her as a woman riding on a beast <laughs> <laughs> on her forehead. Or mm-hmm. something like that.
0: <laughs> Well, as a matter
1: of fact, <laughs> in chapter
0: 27, you will recognize some things from recent uh, Revelation uh, studies. Uh, Tyre was kind of the uh, uh, who sat as the, the portrait for Babylon in Revelation 18. Yeah.
5: Jeremiah, I was reading a commentary that referred back to Jeremiah on that section, kind of what you were referring to, why did he spend so much time talking about that? And uh, in Jeremiah 18, uh, we have the potter and the clay, and Jeremiah talks about these nations, and says, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck it up and break it down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I've spoken turns from its evil, I'll relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it, mm-hmm. and then he flips it around. If they don't, then he's going to follow through with what he says. So even though they haven't, uh, this hasn't come to fulfillment yet for Tyre. They still have time, like uh, Nineveh did earlier with Jonah, of turning. They just don't,
1: mm-hmm.
5: and uh, and that's the theme of Revelation too. After all of these warnings and plagues, mm-hmm. they didn't repent and they didn't turn back to God, and so it was followed through with. So that could be.
1: Mm-hmm. practicing for Revelation with the going over and over and over
0: again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he will have a lot to say that will be intriguing about Tyre. I want you to look at something else here that I think is interesting. This is a little bit more complicated, but I want you to notice the points that are made in verse 2. What Tyre said about Jerusalem, she views her as the gateway of the peoples, kind of the meeting place of these peoples. She gloats over her being broken, and she looks forward to prospering from her fall. Now, in, in contrast with the Jerusalem as the gateway of the peoples, look at verse 3. What was God going to bring against Tyre? The people. Many nations. And instead of Jerusalem being broken in verse 2, what was going to happen in verse 4? Break down towers. They were going to break her down and destroy her walls. And instead of her prospering at the end of verse 2, what would happen at the end of verse 5? She would be the spoil for the nations. So it's kind of point by point she reaps what she sowed. What she was gloating about happening to Jerusalem happens to her. All right, comments and questions on the first six
5: verses. (laughs) And isn't verse six that he's saying that all of these things help point
0: to God as Lord? Yes. That end of verse six, for those of you who haven't been uh, studying Ezekiel very much, if there's anybody like that, that is Ezekiel's favorite phrase and they will know that I am the Lord. So that's found tons of times, dozens and dozens of times in Ezekiel. That's what he really wanted. And these events are to teach everybody he's God.
3: were Did you figure that out yourself or did you read it in a commentary?
0: There is nothing I have okay. ever figured out myself. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sure I read it in the commentary. But originality <laughs> is the act of forgetting your source. That's right. and so I'm very original. <laughs> You're
3: trying to tell me today that eventually Chris can claim revelation for his own. <laughs>
0: that's right. I don't think so. I don't know who taught
1: me that.
2: <laughs> really, a 400 pages of transcript.
0: Ah, can I get a copy different. of that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'll be emailing. Yeah. You I'm telling you what
0: mean. I said in that, so...
1: Well, every now and
0: came there some really good comments. I was afraid of that. <laughs> <laughs> but have you have to, to read the 400
5: pages <laughs> to get the good comments. Yeah, probably most people are asleep after <laughs> the first page
4: and
3: a half. John laughs and he laughs frequently oh, while he's um, reading There's hilarious
2: things in there, like when the couch broke. <laughs> It was really
0: edifying.
2: I didn't know there was a couch in Revelation.
0: (laughs) I don't remember the passage, but...
1: I thought that was Amos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They get a little confused.
1: Well, there's the third string quarterback in Revelation. So anyway, (laughs) Ezekiel was saying...
0: Yes. How about 7 to 14?
3: For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will bring upon Tyre from the north Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings, with horses, chariots, cavalry, and a great army. He will slay your daughters on the mainland with a sword, and he will make siege walls against you, cast up a ramp against you, and raise up a large shield against you. The blow of his battering rams he will direct against your walls, and with axes he will break down your towers. Because of the multitude of his horses, the dust raised by them will cover you. Your walls will shake at the noise of cavalry and wagons and chariots, when he enters your gates, as men enter a city that is breached. With the hooves of his horses he will trample all your streets. He will slay your people with the sword, and your strong pillars will come down to the ground. Also they will make a spoil of your riches and prey of your merchandise, break down your walls and destroy your pleasant houses, and throw your stones and your timbers and your debris into the water. So I will silence the sound of your songs and the sound of your harps will be heard no more. I will make you a bare rock, and you will be a place for the spreading of vents. You will be built no more, for I, the Lord, have spoken, declares the Lord God.
0: So who's he going to bring? And uh, who's going to be with him?
3: Horses and chariots and horsemen and army.
0: Yeah, lots of folks. His big war machine with all that goes with that. (laughs) And there is a really great description here of the siege process. You know, we don't see that today uh, because our whole style of living is different. But they lived, if they wanted to to have good defense, they lived where in the ancient times? In a walled city. And what did you have to do to get into a walled city? Break down the walls. That was the most common procedure. Now there were a few others, like uh, Trojan horse and uh, diving up the water, and uh, marching on America. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> there are a few oddities, <laughs> but the common procedure was you laid siege to the city, and you did exactly what he's saying uh, in these verses. You know, you you would come upon the city; they would certainly blockade the city. keep like uh, anything from coming in or out trying to starve it out and they they build kind of a, a mm-hmm. ramp up to the higher part of the city walls and they'd take a big battering ram, um you know like a big post and they'd, they'd get a bunch of guys on it and they'd run it and ram it up against the wall and keep ramming against the wall hoping that the wall would cave in and they could get in and uh that's, that's the idea. Once they get in, then they, you know, flood the city and kill the people and take the stuff. That's basically the procedure. And, and this is a pretty good description of that. Now, I want you to notice a change in pronoun for the enemy. Where do you see a change in pronoun for the enemy?
2: Between 11
0: and 12? What's the change?
2: From he to
0: they. And I think that change is significant. The he in 7 through 11 would refer to... But the they, starting in verse 12, I take it as someone different. And I think the they in 12 refers to later pounding waves of other nations that would come particularly Alexander the Great and his Macedonian army. Because that's what you're seeing in 12 to 14. They throw the stones, the timbers, and the debris into the water, and they silence the sounds of Tyre and make it like a bare rock. So I think there is a shift. Now this is a debated point, and this is a con- you know, difficulty in this. And some people say, you know, well, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do all this, and, you know, Ezekiel didn't really tell the truth, or he didn't know, or whatever. But I think they just fail to notice that we shift pronouns. We've gone from Nebuchadnezzar suddenly now to a later way with Alexander the Great. And that he's very accurate in this, and signals it by that. Comments and questions? Is there
2: a significance in the mentioning Nebuchadnezzar, but not the other like
0: not mentioning Alexander well maybe uh, maybe just from the standpoint that Nebuchadnezzar was known I mean Nebuchadnezzar was a contemporary of Ezekiel was currently besieging Jerusalem and so maybe in that sense to have said Alexander would have meant nothing you know in Ezekiel's day it's pretty rare that a non-contemporary future um, ruler is mentioned by name in the Old Testament. Was Cyrus? Cyrus was, is the exception in Isaiah 44 and 45, there's one other exception, other than Jesus, obviously, there's one other exception. No? You guys know this. Was the other exception of a future ruler, a long time off, that was mentioned by name by a prophet. You know, James. Josiah. Josiah, Mm -hmm. mentioned by?
3: That one
4: prophet that we talked about. The young
0: prophet. Yes, exactly. Where at?
4: Bethel. Yeah,
0: it's in Bethel. what what (laughs) book? (laughs) First First Kings 13. So, Josiah in 1 Kings 13, which was nearly 300 (laughs) years later, and Cyrus in Isaiah 44 and 45, which would have been... a couple hundred years later, those are the exceptions. Uh, Those are pretty dramatic things Mm -hmm. to actually name by name a king long before he was born. But that's not the normal thing. Normally, you would not name someone that far into the future, although many contemporaries would have been named. Good question.
1: What about the repetition of the phrase, slay your daughters on the mainland with the sword? Is there anything special Mm. about that? Because I I was thinking about the mainland and the the Mm -hmm. island, you know, Mm. some people are one place once, some
0: are the other. Well, certainly what Nebuchadnezzar (coughs) does is on the mainland. You know, he did not go out to the island. Um, I'm not sure. Slaying the daughters is kind of like, you know, taking advantage of the weaker ones. But I don't know what else to say about that. Really.
2: Seems to me like he's just saying it's going to be brutal. Yeah. Because I, didn't a lot of times they overlook the women and children and slay the men?
0: That would be the more noble thing to do.
2: Nebuchadnezzar wasn't noble. No, no, no.
0: But <laughs> were all <of> these people <laughs> under the Assyrians? Uh, Tyre, had yes, Tyre had been under the Assyrians. They kind of broke loose about six thirty, so they had some period of more or less independence before nebuchadnezzar came other comments and questions okay 15 to 18.
2: thus says the lord god to Tyre: will the coastlands not shake at the sound of your fall when the wounded cry when slaughter is made in the midst of you Then all the princes of the sea will come down from their thrones, lay aside their robes, and take off their embroidered garments. They will clothe themselves with trembling. They will sit on the ground, tremble every moment, and be astonished at you. And they will take up a lamentation for you and say to you, How you have perished, O one inhabited by seafaring men! O renowned city, who was strong at sea, she and her inhabitants, who caused their terror to be on all all her inhabitants! Now the coastlands tremble on the day of your fall. Yes, the coastlands by the sea are troubled at your departure.
0: Now what do you see here?
1: Reaction to the
0: fall. Yes, the reaction of who to the fall of Tyre? Princes of the sea. Yes, yes. <laughs> Basically other nations. And and what you more or less got here is kind of a funeral song as the various other nations and peoples lament the fall of Tyre. This is the international reaction to Tyre's fall. And how do they feel?
2: They're not real happy about it.
0: They're not happy at all. They groan, they mourn, and they go through all these mourning customs, you know, stripping their robes off of them and and uh, sitting on the ground and trembling and all of this and and having sort of this this mourning poem. Um, I think it's intriguing that these surrounding nations lament the fall of Tyre and what was Tyre's reaction (laughs) to the fall of Jerusalem? (laughs) Now that's interesting. I think these these nations have better sense than what Tyre had.
2: Well, I think they're kind of selfish about it, though. I mean, don't you think they were relying economically on
0: Tyre? That's part of it. They traded with Tyre. I suspect also they may be a little bit afraid about what may happen to them. You know, I, in, in both cases, I think this is more of a self-focused reaction. I don't think that there's true love between these other nations and tire it's almost always is selfish but but they uh, you know their mourning I think is an indication of the the impact that tires fall had. maybe a little bit of an indication of the importance of Tyre. and uh, economically and and just you know it's, it's a little bitty, nobody, nation, or city falls, nobody really cares. But when a more important one falls, it does sort of strike the fear in you. It makes you think what might happen to us. Well, this was their Goliath. Yes. I mean, if they can take Goliath down, what does that mean for all of us who aren't Goliaths? Exactly. Yeah. Good analogy. All right, comments and questions?
5: It says trembling two or three times. Is that trembling out of fear, or is that just mourning?
0: Well, I took it as trembling out of fear, but I don't know. I mean, look at uh, 18, um, where he Mm -hmm. parallels the trembling with the being terrified. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what did uh, you know what did we think when the twin towers fell? I mean, part of that is, of course, that they're a part of our country, but we didn't think, well, we're in Indiana, that's in New York, we don't worry about that. We thought, wow, planes aren't flying over here either. Yeah, wonder, wonder what's going to happen to us, you know. And even if it had been, you know, another, if it had been in Canada, we'd have probably still been kind of shaken by it you know because it's like wow if they do that there what happens if they do it here and uh, you know it's that's a reasonable reaction it seems to me I think Oklahoma
2: City probably would be a closer
0: reaction
4: to for us yes Mhm. yeah I heard somebody saying uh, um, that uh, this was a uh, principal at an elementary school I think he had he said he had some uh parents coming and trying to like take their trying to get their kids out of school it's like we're under attack and everything.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, you know, when when you see that happen it, it makes you realize how vulnerable mm. we all are. And I think that's what they felt what tired felt. Nineteen
3: to twenty one. <laughs> Call the Lord says, when I make
2: you a desolate city, like cities no longer inhabited, inhabited. and when I bring the ocean that over you and its vast waters cover you, then I will bring you down with those who go down the pit to the people of long ago. I will make you dwell in the earth below as an ancient ruler with those who, will, who go down to the pit and you will not return or take your place in the land of the living. I will bring you to a, a horrible end and you will be no more. You will be sought, but you will never again be found, declaring to self
0: So if 15 to 18 were the funeral, what's this? The eulogy. Or yeah. the burial. Yeah, I think the burial perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as he brings the waters up over Tyre and covers her over and brings her down to the pit, down to the lower parts of the earth, she goes down into the into the grave and uh, is just basically a uh, memory. You know, she won't be found again. Who does this? God. God. Nebuchadnezzar was the agent, Alexander was the agent, but God's the one who's doing it. And certainly in all of this, it is the Lord's role that's highlighted. God is the sovereign over every nation, Tyre or whoever else. Comments and questions?
2: Is Tyre really underwater today? I mean, the ancient part, the
0: <coughs> That I don't know. I don't know that that's what this would necessarily imply, but I don't know the answer to this.
1: I just noticed that, I mean, he talks about the people of old and the ancient waste places, and yeah, I don't know what that means, uh, if, if that means anything in particular, other than just a nice little poetic repetition. But.
0: Yeah, probably so, and I mean it's kind of like, she's going down to the place where her ancestors have gone, <laughs> you know, cause other nations have gone down the tubes or even other people have gone to the grave.
5: There are other places the God hasn't allowed to be
0: rebuilt or reestablished. That's true. Yeah. Several. Somebody's got a cell phone going off, don't they?
2: Oh, I kind of envision no uh, you know, the, the dust of the ages mm-hmm. covering it up yeah. and, you know, cities in the past being you know, the the Lynch Center or
0: not there's a commentary on our time that we all recognize that cell phone little <laughs> <place>. <laughs> and we all check ours <laughs> man even five years ago that would not have been the reaction it's amazing how that <laughs> happened <laughs> uh, we're funny other comments
2: kind of makes you think about our country because yes. we're really <laughs> something big right now, but Yeah. I
0: don't know we will be forever.
2: <laughs> I don't know how many times I think about the United States when I look at God's punishment, and especially being full of pride. You know, so many of the nations were full of pride and um, that seems to be a big problem for God.
0: Some of you heard me tell about when I was studying Zephaniah with uh, a small group of young preachers. Um, and it, it talks about great Assyria, proud Assyria, and God just bringing them down. And we were making the point that within about 20 years, Assyria went from the peak of her power to nothing. And Nineveh, within a fairly short time after that, even, couldn't even find where she had been. You know, there's a Greek historian about 200 years later that can't even find the ruins of Nineveh. And so I mean a serious, and I was making the point that you know we could not imagine that happening to the U.S. You know we could not imagine twenty years and the U.S. is over. Well, it so happened that we were studying that. We we'd been done. Uh, we were moved on to the next point, maybe for twenty minutes or so when on September the 11th, 2001, Sandra came into the office and told us that what had happened to the World Trade Center and so forth. That As you it. were studying. Yeah, we were still, we had moved on to the next <laughs> section, but we were still talking about it. We'd been talking about that like 20 minutes before. How did it get in there? Uh, it was really weird. <laughs> you know, because I mean, it was like, she came in probably 10.30 or quarter 11, you know, that, that morning. And, uh, you know, I did actually, one of the men who came to the study started at nine, he said on his way in, there would been actually a plane that had hit the World Trade Center. Yeah, you know, it was just the first one, the first and you know, we thought that was kind Accident. of weird. Like okay. Wow, how would somebody not miss that? You know, <laughs>
4: you know. That's all we were
0: thinking. We didn't obviously not thinking any of that. So that, but that was really bizarre. I mean it just really was a powerful lesson. So oh,
1: that's pretty good timing sometimes.
0: Yes, he does. Very good. Well, chapter 27 is really cool. <laughs> this is an extended, I don't know what you want to call it, allegory or parable or whatever, in which Tyre is described as a great ship. And we're going to see what happens to great ship Tyre. Now, that's appropriate for Tyre. You know, I don't know you know, what we necessarily want to, you know, maybe we shape America in the shape of a cell phone or something. I don't know. Do <laughs> but, uh, but for Tyre, the ship was its claim to faith. And so uh, so he's going to make lots and lots of analogies and comparisons and, and just a bunch of stuff here. So would somebody read 27 verses 1-11. to
5: The word of the Lord came to me. Now you, son of man, raise a lamentation over Tyre, and say to Tyre, who dwells at the entrance to the sea, Merchants of the peoples to many coastlands, thus says the Lord God. O Tyre, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. Your borders are in the heart of the seas. Your builders made perfect your beauty. They made all your planks of fir trees from Sinir. They took a cedar from Lebanon to make a mast for you. Of oaks of ba- Bashan they made your oars. They made your deck of pines from the coast of Cyprus, inlaid with ivory. Of fine embroidered linen from Egypt was your sail, serving as your banner. Blue and purple from the coast of Elisha was your awning. The inhabitants of Sidon and Arvid were your rowers. Your skilled men of Tyre were in you. They were your pilots. The elders of Gibal and her skilled men were in you, caulking your seams. All the ships of the sea with their mariners were in you to barter for your wares. Persia and Lud and Put were in your army as your men of war. They hung the shield and helmet in you. They gave you splendor. Men of Arvid and Helic were on your walls all around, and men of Gamad were in your towers. They hung their shields on your walls all around. They
0: made perfect your beauty. Okay. Um, this is, according to verse 2, a what? A lamentation. A funeral song for Tyre again. Um, and we see Tyre situated at the entrance of the sea. Location is everything. And Tyre had this perfect harbor spot. She was the merchant of the peoples. And the Lord says, O Tyre, you have said I'm perfect in beauty. And he begins to describe Tyre. And he describes her in terms of the ship. In verses 4 through 6, we see what aspect of the ship? The (coughs) plates and the
1: decks. The whole body of
0: the ship. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. The construction uh, of the ship, we could say. And, uh, what what did they use to build the ship? Yes. (laughs) All the right lumber for the decking, for the mast, for the oars, for everything. From wherever was the proper place. The fir trees from Cedar, the cedar from Lebanon, the oaks from Bashan, the boxwood from Cyprus. Um, Cedar, by the way, in verse 5, or however you pronounce that, do you know where that was? That's Mount Hermon, in uh, northern Lebanon area, um, and uh, so so you know you've got you're describing this ship that's made out of the best possible material. In verse seven, we're looking at what? Her banner. Yeah, and and her decorations, her sail and uh, banner or awning and so forth. <laughs> And uh, those things came from the, the very best places, the linen from Egypt, and the, uh, the awning, if you want to call it that, or covering from a uh, part of Cyprus. And uh, then in verses 8 through 11, what are we looking at? The crew. The crew, exactly. <laughs> um, and no expense was spared. We get the proper personnel for every detail. Uh, the rowers and the pilots in verse 8. The uh, people who maintain the ship in verse 9. Um, the the soldiers in verse 10. What would you use soldiers for in connection with the ship?
3: Protection.
0: Why would you need to protect the ship with soldiers?
3: Pirates.
0: Pirates! And pirates would particularly like to raid what kind of ships? Exactly.
1: Merchant ships. Exactly. Merchant ships. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so good thing they had uh, you know soldiers on this, and and so you know this this ship was constructed and outfitted and manned by the very best that the ancient world could provide. That's what we're really seeing. I mean, he, he really makes this flowery and impressive. But the idea is Tyre is a really great, beautiful, impressive ship, so to speak. Comments and questions?
1: Just the comparison between uh, the description of Tyre as the entrance to the sea and the description of mm-hmm. Jerusalem as the gateway of the peoples. Just mm-hmm. mentioning
0: that. Good point. Yeah, good point. likes to read lots of place names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody want to tackle uh, 12 to uh, 25? I don't that. Go right ahead, Sarah. I doubt that you'll have competition.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tarshish was your customer because of the abundance of all kinds of wealth. With silver, iron, tin, and lead, they paid for your wares. Javan, Tubal, and Mershek they were your traders, with the lives of men and vessels of bronze they paid for your merchandise. Those from Bhetogarma gave horses and war horses and mules for your wares. The sons of Didan were your traders. Many coastlands were your market. Ivory tusks and ebony they brought. They brought as your payment. Aram was your customer because of the abundance of your goods. They paid for your wares with emeralds, purple, embroidered work, fine linen, coral, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel, they were your traders. With the wheat of minneth, cakes, honey, oil, and balm, they paid for your merchandise. Damascus was your customer because of the abundance of your goods, because of the abundance of all kinds of wealth, because of the wine of Helbon and white wool. The Dan and Jabin, paid for your wares from Uzzel. Wrought iron cassia, and sweet cane were among your merchandise. Didan traded with you in saddlecloths for riding. Arabia and all the princes of Sidar, Kedar, (laughs) they were your customers for lambs, rams, and goats. For these, they were your customers. The traders of Sheba and Ramah, they traded with you. They paid for your wares with the best of all kinds of spices, and with all kinds of precious stones and gold. Haran, Cana, Eden, the traders of Sheba, Ashur, and Shomad traded with you. They traded with you in choice garments, in clothes of blue and embroidered work, and in carpets of many colors and tightly wound cords which were among your merchandise. The ships of Tarshish were the carriers for your merchandise, and you were filled and were very glorious in the heart of the seas.
0: Wow <laughs> what's all that
1: <coughs> job, very prosperous to me
0: <laughs> there's lots of nice stuff in here what what are we reading about the old world stock exchange
1: <laughs> <laughs> <The>
0: livestock exchange <coughs> Someone has said that tire was the world Sears catalog <laughs> you know yep. But all these different places Tyre traded with and got all this various stuff that was, you know, mined or manufactured or grown or whatever in these places. (laughs) And uh, this reads, someone has suggested, a lot like a cargo manifest on a ship where they actually have a listing of everything that they've got on the ship. Um, it's almost in the form of that Um, and wow I mean did you notice how many different places were mentioned I just
1: counted
0: 20 yeah about 20 and about how many different commodities are mentioned Uh, sometime I counted them up or somebody did and read about 37 so a bunch of stuff from a bunch of places Uh, what's the point of this do you think Uh, It's probably not primarily, so that we can have a detailed study of each of the places and things. What's the real point of this? Emphasizing her strength and wealth. Yeah, absolutely. Her wealth, her success. Her influence. uh, Her influence, her prosperity. Yeah. It shows, man, she's something. she got everything. And traded with virtually everybody. Now, let's say a few things about some of this. Look at uh, how this section begins and ends with
1: Tarshish.
0: Tarshish. Which is interesting. It's so typical of just the poetry of this. We come right back around to what we started with. Where was Tarshish? Anybody know? Wasn't that where Jonah was going? <laughs> he Chinese? was. He tried, he boarded a ship on his like way to the opposite Tarshish. end of the. Yeah. The map for them. Yeah, over around Spain. So, yeah, way far over to the west. Yeah. And then, oh man, some of these places, who knows. But most people would say that the areas in 13, 14, and 15 are probably west and north of Tyre in like the rest of the Mediterranean and Asia Minor. It's probably the general vicinity. In 16 through 19, it's locations that were kind of right around Tyre, for the most part, to the extent we know where they were. In 20 to 22, it's probably the areas south of Tyre, like around Arabia and some of those places. And then in 23 and 24, it's the areas way far to the east in the Mesopotamian region. So you've almost gone from the northwest to the southeast. It's kind of it's kind of the way you go in this list. You know, listing far, starting on the far west with Tarshish and then coming over to the areas around Babylon. Um, she's just really rich and powerful. And, and did you notice what was right nearly in the middle of this list? Israel? Israel, yeah, that's cool. And uh, would be understandable Um, we're going to read that uh, this ship is going to suffer shipwreck in a storm and when you read about all that's on this ship (laughs) you understand that she was probably pretty heavy in the water and that her very prosperity may have been the seed of her downfall (laughs) say or ask about uh, on this section. Bet you didn't know this was in the Bible. But it does remind <laughs> you of what?
1: Revelation.
0: Revelation 18. Yeah, with yeah, that whole, whole list. list yeah.
1: Goods and stuff there too. Absolutely. wailing. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. <coughs> this is the background I think for Revelation 18. Let's see what happens, 26 to 36.
4: Your roars have brought you into great waters. The east wind has broken you in the heart of the seas. Your wealth, your wares, your merchandise, your sailors and your pilots, your repairers of seams, your dealers of merchandise, and all your men of war who are in you, with all your company that is in your midst, will fall into the heart of the seas on the day of your overthrow. At the sound of the cry of your pilots, the pasture lands will shake, all who handle the oar, the sailors, and all the pilots in the sea, will come down from their ships. They will stand on the land, and they will make their voice heard over you, and will cry bitterly. They will cast dust on their heads. They will wallow in ashes. Also, they will make themselves bald for you, and gird themselves with sackcloth. They and they will weep for you in bitterness of soul with bitter mourning. More, moreover, in their wailing. They will take up a lamentation for you, lament over you, who is like Tyre, like her who is is silent in the midst of the sea. When your ways went out from the seas, you satisfied many peoples. With the abundance of your wealth and your merchandise, you enriched the kings of the earth. Now that you are broken by the seas and the depths of the waters, your merchandise and all your company have fallen in the midst of you. All the inhabitants of the coastlands are appalled at you, and their kings are horribly afraid, and they are troubled in countenance. The merchants among the people hiss at you. You have become terrified, and you will cease to be forever.
0: All right. So they brought her, her rowers, in verse 26, into great waters, and what happened? East wind. Yeah, the <laughs> east wind broke her up in the heart of the seas. Wonder what the east wind has uh, in mind.
4: Bobby. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Exactly. I think this was an east wind named Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian army. And uh, does this remind you of anything in a more modern day uh, term? Hello. Nautical or otherwise? Nautical. <laughs> it's kind of like the what? The Titanic. The Titanic. Yeah. 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 Isn't it? You know, here's this great, powerful <laughs> ship prosperous and successful and all. You know, who would have thought that that she could have, you know, been wrecked by a storm? You know, what did they say about the Titanic? It's you
1: you a yeah. God himself could not sink this. <laughs> well, so, oh, much,
0: so much for the nautical experts of the early 1900s, eh? Or whatever that was. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know no no nation no ship no anything is unsinkable god is able to sink anything isn't it sort of ironic what was the source of Tyre's wealth the sea, the sea. and of her downfall the sea. yeah isn't that the way that so often goes the thing that that feeds our success often becomes the source of our downfall. God
2: is the master of irony. <laughs> Love it.
0: <laughs> he is, and there's probably even a, a spiritual lesson in that. Because when we're successful, what usually happens?
1: We become proud. Absolutely.
0: That's exactly what you're going to see in chapter 28, is the pride of Tyre and its king, because they were so successful. And, and what lifts them up is what brings them down. He who exalts himself will be abased, and uh, ironically by the very thing that had exalted Tyre. And uh, so and, and look at verse twenty seven, Your wealth, your wares, your merchandise, your sailors, your pilots, your repairers of seams, your men of war, your company, all will go down. All the crew and cargo, go down into the heart of the sea. Nobody is, is invulnerable. Everybody can be brought down. It has nothing to do with anything, but I really do like the uh, sound <laughs> of the name Titanic, as they pronounce it in Brazil, the Portuguese, they have the movie and all, Chitaniqui. It took me a while the <laughs> first time I heard a checked about Titaniki to realize they were talking about the Titanic. <laughs> but yeah uh, that's the way you'd say that. You, that well, whatever, that you know, it's a little. <laughs> wow, <laughs> is funny
2: though. That was really not related.
0: It was unrelated, but you know, I had to get it in while I was still remembering the Titanic. <laughs>
2: He's related
3: to me. <laughs> I <laughs> hope not. It doesn't even sound impressive though.
5: I mean, Titanic, that just sounds really... Aww. (laughs) Chita-niki-no. (laughs) chita Sounds like a dinghy, not a (laughs) dinghy.
1: A monkey.
0: (laughs) That could be something. That's right. (laughs) I don't know what that sounds like you're Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) That's always kind of funny. (laughs) And what do you see in most of the rest of this, in and following? Fear of everybody else. Yeah.
1: Other sea people, other, well, mainly other people who hang out in the sea.
5: I like 35. The hair of the
0: king's bristles with horror. <laughs> <laughs> or as the New Yorker says, they're troubled in countenance. But yours is better. Um, yeah, they, I mean, you know, it scares them to death. <coughs> they mourn and lament the fall of Tyre. Uh, it's just really. Yeah. uh, Let (laughs) me Good to meet you again.
3: (laughs) Good
0: to meet you. You You know, I think the great mourning of all these people just shows us several things. It shows us how great Tyre was. And uh, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. (laughs) And the greater impact that has. And. it shows their fear of the same thing happening to them. And really, if you stop and think about it, what probably happened is Tyra fell to the uh, world economy.
2: fell really yeah. off. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Great Depression. Yeah, it, probably, it, probably, it, was, it was probably cast a shadow over all of that. And uh, you can see that any human power, any culture meets its match in the Lord. The Lord can bring anybody down. and and this reaction is just uh, really sad, I mean they're grieving you see all the various things, look at like 30 and 31 you know, and 32, that's kind of like a a, a, an index to mourning customs in the ancient world you know, they did pretty much everything you do when you mourn in that time, uh, day and time and uh, and they think about Tyre you know, isn't that what you do whenever somebody dies? sit around and reminisce about, oh, you know, they were this, they were that, you know, I remember this. and Well, what do they remember about Tyre? Well,
1: she was able to satisfy many people whenever her merchant ships
0: went out. Yes. So they think about all her trade and all they got from her and, and all that sort of thing, and now she's silent in the midst of the sea, you know. And... Uh, She may have been made a bare rock, but she was not founded on the rock. (laughs) She was, you know, founded on the sand, and boy, the storm came and she fell, she collapsed. I can
5: not remember why what you just said made me think of this, but in the beginning of 26, the way Tyre saw Jerusalem was the way she saw herself. I mean, these weren't people It had nothing to do with their souls. She was a commodity. She was a means to an end. She was a way to enrich herself. And even in twenty seven, some of the things that they exchanged as commodities were people. They weren't yeah. they weren't valuable, they were commodities. They were just something to
0: be used. And uh, Good point. And you know that's also in Revelation eighteen. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah.
2: <laughs> what verse is that? Where they were trading people. No, thirteen
5: oh. of twenty seven. They exchanged human beings and vessels of bronze for your merchandise. Or the Thanks. lives of men and your lifestyle.
0: Yeah, Yeah. same in mine. ESV. So, you know, I mean, you can tell she doesn't think about anybody but herself. Mm -hmm. You know, she'll trade anything or anybody if she can find somebody who'll, you know, let her make a buck off of it. I
3: mean,
0: wow. It's this commercialism, this materialism, this desire for profit, greed, you know, you want to make more. And, I mean, how many prophets condemn that? I mean, isn't that almost the theme? I've been studying Amos on uh, Tuesday nights in Bowling Green. And, man, you know, it just pounds at the, the exploitation of the poor and the greed and the injustice. And, you know, we want stuff for me. You know, it's that. And, wow, we are in that culture where people think so much about their own luxury they call it their necessities but you know, wow our, our necessities include a whole lot of things that no other generation would have ever found necessary and it just makes you wonder I mean, what what, what in the world must the Lord be saying about the ship of the U.S. the ship <laughs> of the U.S. the plane of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't even want to know
2: I don't even want to think about it
0: other countries see us as that though they see us as very prideful Brazil serving Yeah, absolutely and 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 they see us as taking advantage of mm-hmm. any other country or anything we can possibly take advantage of part of that is the natural jealousy of somebody who's richer than what you are but part of it is Americans are really snotty mm-hmm. you know we I mean, just think about it I mean when you become successful at anything you tend to be prideful and uh, it was very probably said this before somewhere along the line it was very interesting to me about that's probably four or five years ago four years ago maybe, when i was sitting talking to a lady in, in brazil a preacher's wife that i knew very well I've known her for a long time and you know i go down there and you know people don't really some of the brethren don't really think that much about me being American. I mean, they know that obviously, but you know, you develop a close relationship, and you know, you don't really—that's not on their mind constantly or anything. And and one one day we were sitting talking, and she went into a very pleasant but kind of a tirade against the U.S. You know, and all that she thought about it and so forth. three days later, she came up to me and apologized. She was just have thought about me being American at that point. She was just saying what she really thought. And what she would have probably said to any other Brazilian, what they say to each other. It was very, it was very hard to listen to.
3: That was a compliment to you, though.
0: Yeah, well, it, in that sense, it was, yes. I'm, I don't want them to think of me as American for various reasons. But, uh, but it was like, whoa, man, she said some things are really pretty strong. And it made me realize, you know, that's probably how most all Brazilians think about Americans. They wouldn't necessarily think about a given American that way. You know, they certainly, the brethren certainly don't feel about me that way. But, but there's but, this generalization. But Absolutely. That's the way they see Americans. They're proud, and they're rich, and they exploit people. And, you know, if we're not careful, that's exactly the pattern we fall into. You know, we can't help what. You know, America does in some cases, certainly not what everybody else does. But that rubs off, off, off on us. And we become very concerned about, you know, our success and certainly our stuff. <laughs> Nobody wants money, but everybody wants the stuff money can get. And, and we don't really worry about other people. You know, they ought to take care of themselves. You know, if, if we got the money and we got the whatever, we ought to be able to do it and uh, you see it in our attitude toward toward people from other countries you know really arrogant uh, you know uh, man I'm so glad I went to Brazil instead of a Brazilian coming to the US the Brazilians are so patient toward foreigners by comparison to what we would be and you see it in the pride that sometimes we have even our personal lives you know as we get successful at anything it tends to go to our head we tend to act like you know smart Alex and I'm not saying that's true of every person I'm just saying those are those are the dangers of a tire and uh you know i mean unfortunately as america we've combined both military power with economic power we really got both i mean you know and uh there's just so much danger in success
5: i have a question about application sure because in the old testament god judged his people on a national level because his people was a nation it was a physical nation and in the new testament we are his spiritual nation. So to make application, could we transfer it to the church? And what is our local, does this describe
0: us as a local group of God's people? Um, I think it's fine to think about the church in terms of the pride and so forth, but Tyre was not God's people. Right. I mean, this is really, I mean, I think these are the principles by which God judges nations. You know, I mean, Tyre was just a country. And but they were prideful country, and and uh, you know didn't care about anybody but themselves, and what happens, you know. And uh, you know I think, I, but I, certainly I mean churches can do the same. The churches can be prideful, and good grief, this is terrible. But but churches can, you know, rejoice in the fall of other congregations and their de- demise, sort of builds us up, and we become bigger and more successful and we get the better people for us and you know all sorts of ridiculous concepts you know when you actually even apply those kinds of prideful ideas to spiritual things it's really sick but i mean i think wow i think that's a temptation i mean you know i have to guard myself against thinking in, in those kinds of ways and you know so i mean pride just crops up in everything and every time we start doing a little better at anything, you know, start fighting off the devil a little better. And pretty soon the little small voice says, boy, you're really good at this. And uh, we start being prideful instead to giving the credit to God. Other questions in coming? I
1: just wanted to point out in verse 26 and 34 that, uh um, is broken, just like the gates of Jerusalem were broken in twenty sixteen. That whole brokenness theme keeps coming up. And my guess is if we were looking for the other little aspects. Those would be mm-hmm. good point.
0: to through. Good point. And it will be, it will be interesting when we uh, study chapter 28, you know, because it really focuses on the king of Tyre and man. You thought chapter 27 emphasized pride? <laughs> chapter 28, he thought he was uh, in the Garden of Eden, you know, and uh, had the seal of perfection and this, that, and the other. And uh, boy, he found out a thing or two. And, uh, you know, God loves to bring down the people who exalt themselves. You know, the, the way to be exalted by God is to lower ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, you just think about how you even feel. What if somebody comes along and says, you know, I'm really pretty good at this? What do we automatically think? That <laughs> <Bet> you're not. The Lord says, no you're not.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's ironic that such descriptive languages used to describe Tyre as prideful and proud and he brings Nebuchadnezzar against them. And then Nebuchadnezzar is the one who's humbled and made to go out and live with the beasts for a while because he was so proud about what he had built up. And there's this chain of, you just brought that guy down who thought he couldn't be brought down, and now you're the same way that he was.
0: God has lots of versatility in humbling the proud. <laughs> you always wonder what what the foreign emissaries thought when they were informed that the uh, Babylonian emperor was uh, feeding on the ground uh, or grazing or whatever. He's out <laughs> the moon right now. I get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, other comments of
3: questions.
0: <laughs> really we went everywhere preaching the word tonight. <laughs> 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 and so. so that's good and that'll that'll leave us ready to
3: start twenty eight, uh oh man. Probably about November the fourteenth.